sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We're back at the top of the hour here. Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. The news is coming in fast and furious, of course, with your fantasy football teams. If you're watching us for good news, well, here's the good news for you. <laughs> Look at your record, and if you're 2-0, be very happy about that. And if you're watching our show and you want no bad news, you may want to hit pause or hit fast forward because all of that is coming. Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers out for a month. Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants out for the rest of the season. Joe, this was the first and second pick in fantasy football. And in particular, Saquon Barkley, think about this for a second, Joe. It's one thing to have McCaffrey out a month. He could still help you and play the rest of the season and play in the fantasy football playoffs. But this is eerily reminiscent of David Johnson a couple of years ago being drafted with the first or second pick by the Arizona Cardinals. He played one week. He missed the rest of the year. A really tough blow in fantasy if you have him. Yeah, it's a very interesting equation you just made between the two of them. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to deny that right now. And it's difficult because you watch Saquon Barkley play, and he's such a special talent. But I I can't remember when we lost the first two picks in a fantasy draft, let alone in a season in one week of each other, in a few hours of each other. Now, look, at least McCaffrey hopefully will be headed back sooner than later. My guess is knowing Christian McCaffrey – and seeing him the way we all do, that he's going to try to push whatever the shorter time or that time frame is because that's the kind of guy he is. But for Saquon, especially for those in keeper and dynasty formats, for Saquon, this is a huge blow. It really is because this is a guy that you were building a around Giants, but your fantasy franchise around here. And this is just – there's no coming back for this. And now you have to reevaluate what you're going to do going forward because this is two years in a row now that he's going to miss significant time like you pointed out before. And I got to tell you, it's very disheartening. It's very disheartening. They don't have somebody that they're going to just fill this role with. You do not replace Saquon Barkley. People are going to throw a lot of money on Wayne Gallman. They're going to throw a lot of money on Deion Lewis. I heard Devonta Freeman is actually going to be uh, potentially being looked at and might be brought in as well. But it doesn't matter because when you lose Saquon, you lose Saquon. You have to figure out another structure in terms of how to score fantasy points to stay relevant without Barkley the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and I think that Barkley, what's interesting too, is that we're we're still a year away from this, but I don't see Barkley as a first-round pick no matter what kind of recovery he has next year. People are just not going to want to take that chance. All right, let's look at our top fantasy stories for Monday here. And uh, the new poll is out. The Miami Hurricanes have moved all the way up to 12th in the new AP poll after their big win over Louisville, and De'Ara King looked really good as well. Of course, the SEC will be back this week, and that will change things in the Big Ten as well. But for now, the uh, Hurricanes look good, at least in the early part of their season. Former Florida State Seminole Deion Sanders is the new head coach at Jackson State. Had a nice big celebration to name him the head coach today. And we'll see what uh, what Deion can do as a, as a head coach in college football. The San Francisco 49ers have had all kinds of injuries. So not a huge surprise. Ziggy Ansah is probably going to be headed back to play with them this year. We'll get a word on Bosa coming up a little bit later and also on Raheem Mostert. No injury news yet there. It's still very early on the West Coast. And then, of course, it's the final week of uh, fantasy in baseball and the final week of the regular season as well. And so, Joe, we had the Padres clinch yesterday. We had the Yankees clinch as well. And with seven games to go, the National League in particular has basically four spots available for about six or seven teams fighting it out. So I'll be curious to see what happens. 
Yeah, and look, if you're really depressed about your fantasy football team right now, go watch the Deion Sanders announcement video because he was led in by the school band, followed by a bunch of uh, motorcade of police, basically, on <laughs> on motorcycles and a couple other cars, and then he rolls in. It'll make you smile. It'll make you feel good. And, Craig, if I told you when Deion Sanders, I don't know, all these years ago that he was going to be 21, 22 years old, you watching crazy Deion Sanders do crazy Deion things, that he would be head coach of a football team, I bet you wouldn't have said yes to that. Yeah, would be surprising, no doubt. And now I would say that his career is blossoming. Maybe he becomes a head coach at a big college in a couple of years. All right, coming up next, Seattle, New England went right down to the final play of the game. I'll tell you what happened when we return next year on Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be back in just a few minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. That's our website to catch all of our videos 24-7, all of the great programming and shows that we have here on our network on our Monday edition, which is today on Fantasy Sports Today. We recap what happened in fantasy football the day before. And arguably one of the most exciting games of the season happened on Sunday night as Seattle took on New England, a game that went right down to the final play of the game as Cam Newton took a about a one-and-a-half, two-yard rush. Unfortunately for him, didn't get anywhere, but definitely showed a lot that New England can uh, be a contender this year, no doubt about that. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, Joe, let's start off with the Seattle Seahawks and take a look at some of their leaders from yesterday and some of the fantasy ramifications from that. Russell Wilson threw for five more touchdowns and 288 yards. He also had 39 rushing yards, potentially maybe the MVP of the NFL after two weeks. Chris Carson had 17 carries, 72 yards, also three receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown. So Chris Carson, all of a sudden, a receiving beast for Seattle. DK Metcalf was great again. He had four catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. And Tyler Lockett also scored. So did David Moore. That's the one thing, Joe, about uh, Wilson, maybe as much or more than any quarterback in the NFL, is he has this ability to keep all of his players happy. And he throws to all of them. It's very rare that you'll see a game where one Seattle receiver has like 12 catches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns or three. And this even goes back to like when Doug Baldwin was there. He was their favorite receiver. Mm -hmm. He was their favorite receiver, but he would have eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown or something like that. So, uh, look, not enough can be said about Wilson. He's probably the most underrated great quarterback, I would say, in the NFL. And he just rarely makes a mistake. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man. I mean, Russell Wilson certainly making his MVP push this year. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they were my pick to, you know, win the division with all these injuries now to the 49ers. It looks like that could be a reality. But I think the other reason, the reason that you win games is what you're saying, too. He has his ability to find the open guy, make things work, get points on the board. And he is just right now, he's like a fine wine. He's like aged perfectly where when you watch him play the quarterback position, it's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful thing. I mean, huge catch there from DK Metcalf against Gilmore. That was not an easy catch to make. Incredible catch there from David Moore, too, as well. What concentration he had catching that ball, falling backwards into the end zone, keeping his feet in. I could not believe he stayed in bounds there. So these guys stepped up, and they play with a great energy, the Seahawks. That's one of those things. And the defense with Jamal Adams out, too. 
adding that second layer to that defense there in the in the secondary with the safety position there. And Adams is a physical player, a smart player who shows up in the right spot at the right time. That gives them a different wrinkle as well. So this is a very high motor team. This is a team that's going to be very relevant in terms of fantasy, in terms of reality. And look, you saw it on display. But that being said, this was a great football team. This was this was game rather, excuse me. This was a game to me that was deserving of that. 8.30 primetime Sunday night spot because the Patriots did their share as well. I mean, the Patriots really showed up in this game, and I was very impressed with how they battled literally to the last second in a game where a lot of people didn't give them much of a chance at all. Yeah, and I would say that especially on the last two drives, it looked like New England was in command. Uh, Cam Newton threw for almost 400 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He also had 11 carries for two touchdowns on the ground, so he's certainly there, uh, good there. Julian Edelman, eight receptions for 179 yards, almost a touchdown. He got knocked out at the one. Demary Bird, six for 72, and Rex Burkhead had four receptions for 47. And, and, I, and I think here is some a trend, Joe, as, as we just continue to discuss here, is that we're, we're not really going through this and saying that a lot of teams had bad days offensively. Right. And so, at least for me, through two weeks, I'm having a hard time identifying the good defenses in the NFL. Because as of right now, yeah. there aren't very many. I mean, who is stopping anyone thus far? Uh, well, I mean, the Chargers are. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, to a certain extent, are. And they're creating a lot of turnovers. I know we'll get to them soon. But, um, look, it, this was going to be a high-scoring game probably anyway because of the, the caliber of, of quarterbacks you're dealing with. And let me tell you about Cam Newton right now. Cam Newton looks physically like he did as a rookie. His legs are lighter. He looks in fantastic shape. He looked like he was in command. Chris Collinsworth did a great job in that game, too, of pointing out segment there about Cam going through his progressions and really finding the open guy. And you saw him doing that. Edelman had a huge game. In fact, he actually missed a touchdown at the end of this game, too. A ball went through his hands that he could have caught. And this is the problem with the Patriots right now is not the defense. The problem with the Patriots is still the offense, and I'll tell you why. They don't have that breakaway playmaker kind of guy. They don't have a Julio Jones wide receiver. They don't have the kind of running backs who's going to break away and run all the way into an end zone like an Ezekiel Elliott. And they don't have a red zone tight end kind of guy. So when they get down to the goal line now, and you saw at the very end of this game, they're going to become very predictable very quickly. Yeah, they can run some gadget plays and things like that, but you're going to see them move the ball, move the ball, move the ball very well. And then they're going to get down to that goal line. They're going to try to run with Cam Newton. But at a certain point, they're going to find ways to stop that. And if they can acquire, let's say, I don't know, a Mike Williams receiver, all of a sudden the guy who's a matchup disaster in the red zone, a big body kind of guy, or a tight end who can catch the ball, something like that, this team could be very formidable as the season goes on. And Buffalo looks like they're for real. I was impressed with how well the New England Patriots fought in this game. I'm not surprised the Seahawks won, but I think you could take a lot out of fantasy here for this one, including Cam Newton is a QB1 right now, whether you like it or not. Yeah, there were there were 15 games uh, played thus far, and 10 of them went over the total, and two more were just a point away. So uh, essentially after week two, there are no defenses playing well in the NFL. And <laughs> there you go. It's just it's just interesting to see. Maybe that is a trend moving forward, but certainly the Tennessee Titans were supposed to have a good defense, and they haven't looked good. They didn't look good against Jacksonville yesterday, that's for sure. But offensively, Tennessee did enough to win. Ryan Tannehill threw for 239 yards and four touchdowns. Derrick Henry had 25 carries. For 84 yards, Jonu Smith, four receptions, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. 
Adam Humphreys had five receptions, 48 yards and a touchdown, and Corey Davis got involved as well as uh, as he scored there for, for Tennessee. And they needed to keep scoring, Joe. Titans not usually used to this. Usually they're clamping down on a team, winning about 17 to 10 with a few minutes left. But in this case, Jacksonville kept coming back, and we'll dive into them in a minute. But that I think that was a product of why Tennessee had so many great offensive performances yesterday it was because Jacksonville wouldn't stop scoring. Yeah, and look, Tannehill was a, a very popular DFS quarterback last uh, this past Sunday, and, and rightfully so. He put up those points on the board. The uh, the injury to A.J. Brown certainly gave some opportunities to some other guys there. Jonu Smith was terrific. We talked about the favorite stacks, right? And this was one of them was Tennessee with Jonu Smith and Henry. Henry was a little disappointing for his price. Didn't give you the touchdown, which really kind of let you down there, to be honest. But um, the good news in terms of emerging on the waiver wire, if you didn't buy into Corey Davis week one, Corey Davis did score a touchdown in week two. We'll see what the health of A.J. Brown is, but maybe Adam Humphrey starts to show up a little bit. This was a guy that I think you and I both had some expectations for because two years ago he finished really strong in Tampa, and we thought, oh, what a great signing for them. This is going to be a really nice slot-wide receiver, and it did not happen. And he did get hurt too. We get that, but still, even when he was on the field, he did not contribute. If he's going to be part of this offense going forward, him, John New Smith, all of a sudden, Tannehill is another guy that becomes kind of a fringe QB1 going forward because there's going to be some weeks where the matchups are pretty good for him, and he's putting up fantasy points at the end of the day, and that's what you want. On the Jacksonville side of things, they, they did plenty enough to stay in this thing and even covered the spread. So fortunately, that was one of the ones that we hit in the Super Contest. Gardner Minshew, 30 for 45, 339 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. James Robinson's looked really good. 16 carries, 102 on the ground, three receptions as well. DJ Chark, four receptions, 84 yards. Keelan Cole had the big receiving day for the Jaguars with 658 and a touchdown. And what do you know? Tyler Eifert's still playing in the NFL. Here's proof. Three receptions, <laughs> 36 yards, and a touchdown. And so, uh, look, Jag- Jaguars, Joe, 2-0 and against the spread in 2020. Jaguars tanking. Okay, if, if if that's what you think, if that's what somebody thinks, sure. But no indication of that happening, at least through two weeks. Well, they have 60 points in the first two games, right? I mean, they're just they're scoring points. They're, and look, Robinson's been great. And it, it's funny because there was a lot of trepidation, rightfully so, of whether or not he could handle this role. He's been very good, and I don't see him giving this role up anytime soon. Keelan Cole, I think, popular guy on waiver wires this week as we head to Wednesday and I think rightfully so too because if they're going to continue to put points on the board and Gruden is getting a better version of Minshew going forward which seems to be the case at least in the first two weeks then there's room for Keelan Cole to actually be relevant in fantasy Buffalo Bills took on the Miami Dolphins and I would say that this game another one that was very competitive with the Miami Dolphins end up covering the spread although Buffalo ended up winning the game for the Bills Josh Allen had yet another really good game and when you're talking about MVP of the NFL is Josh Allen in that conversation now 417 yards and four touchdowns for him they don't even need to run the ball and Singletary had five and a half yards per carry only got 10 carries so didn't do much digs eight for 153 and a touchdown John Brown why do I never draft this guy every year I know how good he is and I never take him four for 82 <laughs> and a touchdown and then Cole Beasley who like once every three weeks gives you 10 fantasy points five for 70 there uh very quickly let's move on to the Miami Dolphins and then we'll dive into uh, this game as it as it transpired, the Dolphins in this game had Ryan Fitzpatrick throw 47 times, 328 yards, and two touchdowns. Jordan Howard has looked awful for them. Five carries, four yards. He did score, so he gave you six fantasy points. Gasecki had a little bit of a breakout, eight for 130. 
Devontae Parker, 5 for 53 in a touchdown. It's pretty much what you expected from him. And Isaiah Ford, kind of out of nowhere, seven receptions for 76 yards. He looks like he's the emerging wide receiver, too, for the Dolphins at this point, Joe. Yeah, and uh, on top of all of that, Mike Kosicki having a huge game, too. So all those people who loved him coming into the season, this was their reward. I have to say, I am not a Kosicki owner anywhere, but it was a very good game, so we'll see if that trend continues. Jordan Howard's performance is very concerning. I mean, you're going to get the Miles Gaskin thing take over or Breida take over, but that's another position to watch there. What's going to happen with that running back group over in Miami? Because that could potentially give you somebody as well uh, to roster going forward with all these injuries. Yeah, makes a little uh, strange story, them paying Brita the money they are and not really using him through two weeks. I don't know why they signed him to not use him, but maybe that'll change. Okay, we got to take a break here on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, Steelers and Broncos right here on SportsGrid. We'll break it all down. Don't go away. This is SportsGrid. Hi, I'm Chris Kowski with your Sports Grid News Update. It was a wild week two in the NFL full of comebacks and injuries, and the biggest injury made it be the Giants running back Saquon Barkley, who, according to Adam Schefter, the Giants fear that Barkley tore his ACL in the Giants' 17-13 loss to the Bears. Barkley will undergo further tests today to figure out the severity of the injury, but the Giants are planning to be without Barkley. As Ian Rapport reported earlier today, the G-Men are planning a visit and a workout with free to running back the SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. The Pittsburgh Steelers took on the Denver Broncos on Sunday, and they were about six and a half, seven-point favorites in that game. And in the first quarter, when you saw Drew Locke go out with an injury and you took the Pittsburgh Steelers to win and cover, you probably were thinking, this is the best pick that I've made all weekend long. And if you took the Broncos, you were thinking, let me just put another game on TV. Well, you'd be wrong on every account, which is why the NFL season is so impossible to predict. And in terms of what Pittsburgh did, they were efficient, but not efficient enough to cover the spread. And certainly I give the Broncos a lot of credit for staying in this game. And Jeff Driscoll uh, looked pretty good as well. And uh, Joe, let's take a look and see specifically what the Steelers did in terms of fantasy on Sunday. Ben Roethlisberger, 29 for 41, 311 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. James Conner, 16 for 106 on the ground. Where's Benny Snell? He didn't play. Scored a touchdown, three receptions, 22 yards. Nell did not do much, but Deontay Johnson, who I did not think would be this good, that's for sure. Eight receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Chase Claypool even involved in the action. Three receptions, 88 yards, and a touch. And Juju Smith-Schuster, who somehow ended up getting 11 fantasy points in this one, albeit uh, short catches. So... Certainly the arrow is pointing up, Joe, on Deontay Johnson, without a doubt, and also on the Pittsburgh Steelers, without a doubt. But I would say that, again, another team, like the rest of them in the NFL, who are showing a propensity to give up points, there's no possible... Like, from a fantasy perspective, fine. I mean, this is all great. But how in the world does does Pittsburgh allow Denver to stay in this game with a backup quarterback and their top receiver hurt and didn't even play in the fourth quarter? And I don't know, defense is just having a hard time. 
effort. I mean, look, I think from the defensive standpoint, too, I think what you're also seeing, and again, this is just my take. You can certainly disagree with it if you like, but I feel like what you're seeing is a lot of the defenses don't quite have their wind yet. And I feel like they're kind of building the stamina. And I think that's why you're seeing teams kind of struggle here in the second half. And you're seeing a lot of points put up in the second half of games, especially because defenses aren't quite where they usually are by this time. You know, they, they've had a few preseason games. They've had a few scrimmages. And then they're in a point where they're, they've are they got their wind about them. And it seems like, you know, probably by week three or four, you'll get that. But right now, it seems to be lacking a little bit, at least the game speed version of that. But uh, Deontay Johnson certainly was great. A uh, great game for James Conner, too. He just was the guy in this game, without a doubt. It's something to keep an eye on moving forward, too, because depending on what his FanDuel price is going into next week, he could be a very popular running back, and rightfully so, because this is the kind of productivity you're getting potentially when Connor is healthy and on the field in this Pittsburgh offense. It always yields a fair amount of points to the running back. And then, look, Juju's always going to have good games. Even if this is a down game for him, still is going to give you double digits. I wouldn't chase Claypool, dad joke aside, <laughs> but I just think this is a one-off kind of thing. I know a lot of people want to chase him. I don't think you should on the waiver wire this week. There's a lot of other guys I think have more opportunities. But look, this is not a surprise Deontay Johnson put up the numbers he did because last week against the Giants, he had a 32% target share. So all you had to do was convert and have a better first half. You know, the first half of last week was atrocious, and he was so good in the second half, and it's basically carried over now. So maybe it's just a rust factor or whatever it is, but it certainly looks like a pretty good investment going forward. He definitely does. Yeah, I did I did not see that. I mean, they, they've tried to make – other players, uh, good wide receiver twos through the years or wide receiver threes. It just hasn't worked out. Maybe Johnson is that guy through two weeks. It definitely looks that way. On the side of the Denver Broncos, it's big trouble for them at the moment. There's no doubt about that. They lost their quarterback. They lost their top receiver. And they weren't very good anyway to start with. But Jeff Driscoll could give them a little bit of something. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play well. He can run a little bit too. Oh, he played at the University of Florida. 256 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Melvin Gordon, 19 carries, 70 yards. Sutton, three for 66. Unfortunately, he's out for the year, so that's it for him. Noah Fant, four receptions, 57 yards and a touchdown. He's been a nice tight end thus far. He's graded out as tight end one. And then I would think Jerry Judy's in line for an uptick in catches and receptions, Mm -hmm. although I'm not really sure what the Broncos' game plan is going to be moving forward, and we don't have any definitive word yet on how long Drew Locke is out. He is their quarterback of the future, Driscoll. I I think is like a potential starter for a team at some point, but he's more of a, of a backup. I would, I would think, but this is just bad all along uh, for Denver. But meanwhile, they're two and zero against the spread (laughs) to start the year. (laughs) Welcome to 20. I'll say if we, because other games to get to, they're more exciting, but I will say bye Jerry Judy and bye Noah Fant if you can, because those guys are going to see more opportunities. Craig is right. The ceiling isn't high for this offense, but it doesn't mean the floor isn't going to be high. And I think the floor in terms of target share, in terms of receptions, in terms of looks, all that's all going to be there, I think, going forward with the injuries to Sutton. And and look, I mean, the injury to Lindsey, too. I mean, the go, Gordon's got this backfield to himself. And uh, so far, you know, hasn't had huge games. But I think you look at it and you go, OK, you know, Denver might not have the, the kind of offense that the Cowboys have. But can you get some fantasy points out of there? And I think the answer is yes. And I think Judy and Fant are in line here to uh, to get a little bit more work than they usually do on their load. All right, now let's talk a little Colts and Minnesota Vikings in a game that was not particularly close. Uh, we you know, Davis Maddock uh, from Roto Experts and I did a, a fantasy football show about a month ago before the season started, and he was all over the Colts' defense. And so I was like, all right, you know, 
I got to a point in one of my drafts that I'm, and I missed out on a couple of the top defenses and I took the Colts and after week one, I was throwing things at Davis Maddock. But now I feel pretty good <laughs> after having the Colts after last week. You have they were no the top faith. scoring defense. You have no faith. <laughs> They're the top scoring defense, and, and all it took was facing Kirk yeah. Cousins. All right, let's look at the Colts <laughs> offense from from Sunday. Phillip Rivers, look, he didn't even do anything, you know? He didn't have to because of how bad the Vikings were. But he threw for 214, a touchdown, and a pick. He cannot start Rivers in the fantasy league. Uh, look, Jonathan Taylor was really good. 26 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Got some receptions as well. We'll see how long he can carry this load because he did carry the load yesterday for Indianapolis. That's a lot of carries for a rookie. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, five receptions, 111 yards. I'm sure people will rush to pick him up this week. We'll see how he performs. Michael Pittman, the rookie, four receptions, 37 yards. They really have not gotten much from T.Y. Hilton. Pascal had a touchdown as well. Paris Campbell, who I, I know some folks had as a, a nice sleeper in fantasy this year. Unfortunately, he's going to be out for an extended period of time. But, Joe, offensively, the Colts don't really shake the tree with great fruit falling off in terms of offense, maybe their defense is going to have to carry them, I guess, for a period of time. Outside of Jonathan Taylor, is there a starter in fantasy on this team? I think Jonathan Taylor is a starter, sure. The rest of it, I said I outside of one. Taylor. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I agree. Uh, I see Taylor. I don't see anybody else. You know who I also don't see is Naeem Hines. Where'd he go? Well, I don't understand. He had such a great week one, week two. Zero, nothing. Where is he? He's not even on the board, for God's sakes. And you can feel a lot of frustrations. A lot of people emptied the fab tank on Naeem Hines, which was a tricky thing to do in the first place. But I would say sit tight. I would imagine he got back in there because, like you're saying, they're going to have a need here at the very least. So especially with Campbell out, I would think Naeem Hines actually going to get a little work in the slot too because last year he did also. So keep that in mind. After that Paris Campbell injury, there might be some changes here. Uh, Pittman might be another guy going forward too that could emerge. Uh, I don't like what I see out of T.Y. Hilton. I think as the season goes on, kind of like we talked about DeAndre Swift, Pittman might be one of these guys that emerges in the second half of the season. As time goes on, he gets more comfortable at the NFL level. But for right now, it's Jonathan Taylor and the defense, and that's about it. Well, the Minnesota Vikings were a real big disappointment for sure. And and look, they did put up a lot of points against Green Bay the previous week, but they had a lot of struggles against Indianapolis and Kirk Cousins as you're going to see here, hide your eyes. He was the worst quarterback in fantasy yesterday. 11 for 26, 103, no touchdowns, three interceptions. He had a negative fantasy day overall. That is really hard to do. Dalvin Cook, 14 for 63 and a touchdown. Thank goodness he gave you about 14, 15 fantasy points. You'll take that. Justin Jefferson was their leading wide receiver, and Adam Thielen had a down day. He just wasn't really in the game plan. Three for 31. Look, Joe, the Vikings, I know that they, they just can't be this bad. I, it, it's, it's hard to believe that they could be. But I did come away from this game thinking, actually I went into this game thinking one or two things. I, I thought the team that loses this game has a chance to really underperform in terms of their season win total. Because both of them were in the nine range. And and when, you ha- when you're supposed to be over 500, you can't start 0-2. It appears the Vikings are that team, Joe. It appears the Vikings at this stage look like, I mean, can they get to six wins, seven wins? They look awful. 
Yeah. Well, this game was the real kick in the nuts for me, Craig Mish. There it is. I thought the Vikings were going to show up. I thought they were embarrassed week one in their own building defensively, and they would show up here against Philip Rivers, turns the ball over quite a bit himself. But no, they did not show up. Kirk Cousins was all over the place. He looked absolutely terrible throwing picks. Oh, it was just brutal. The only salvation was Dalvin Cook which I think you can always count on Dalvin Cook. But this is always the danger with Kirk Cousins. And here you go, because if you go back last year, Craig, you could be saying the same thing about the Vikings, basically, and Kirk Cousins. He was so bad. Do you recall in the first month of last year, they were going to oh, bench remember, Kirk yeah. Cousins, basically. And then he went on a roll where he has that stats. Oh, kind of, but the exact same stats of Russell Wilson for eight straight weeks. It was stunning to watch. And then what happened at the end? It all fell apart. So he's going to need an epic comeback, and he's going to have to get that kind of to his job this time again because this was not good. They are 0-2, and this is a team, like you said, with high expectations, and they look like they're going to fall woefully short this year. Yeah, and and hopefully for them, it's it's kind of do or die on your if you bet them over on the win total this week, I would think. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our breakdown of Sunday's games, have some fantasy reality as well. Don't go away. We're back with more fantasy sports today here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, we got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll be right back here on the show on Tuesday with all of the latest around the NFL in terms of fantasy and also keeping an eye on the final week of the fantasy baseball season and getting much closer to the NBA Finals. Miami and Boston taking a break in their series. They'll pick that up again on Wednesday. Of course, we'll have... The Lakers taking on the Denver Nuggets tomorrow. All right, Joe, let's dive back into uh, some things that happen in fantasy as we are short on time with still a few games to go. Uh, Let's look at the Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Rams and start off with the Chiefs, who had a very quiet day in fantasy on Sunday. Mahomes, 27 for 37, 302, two touchdowns, also rushed for 54 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 10 carries, 38 yards, two receptions, 30 yards, yuck. This was not a really good game for him. In fact, one of those receptions was in overtime. Tyree Kill, five receptions for 99 and a touchdown, always shows up. So does Travis Kelsey, nine for 90 and a touchdown. And and Joe, uh, I think as you alluded to before, the Chargers defense is pretty good. So they're going to keep, I I would say, fantasy opponents at bay to a degree. And so it was impressive, certainly, what they were able to do against the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, the Chargers ended up covering the spread in this one as well. Yeah, I mean, I watched most of this game. I was flipping back and forth, but I was just really impressed. I mean, they got great pressure on Mahomes, which is not easy to do because he's very elusive in the pocket, but they're really able to get after him and get him out of rhythm, and that's why this game ended up being what it was, and which was basically a, a nail-biter to the very end that went into overtime. So very impressed there with them. And look, for the secondary to lose Derwin James to play as well as they did against Tyree Kill most of that game and as well as they did against Nicole Hardman. And I know Sammy Watkins got hurt in this one. That's another injury you can put in there because he got his bell rung in that game too. My guess is he's going to be in protocol this week. Uh, this was uh, a tough game here, a big win for the Chiefs, I think, on the road in a contest where really they got pushed to their limit. So it was more just really impressive from the Chargers standpoint, and I would expect the Chiefs to get back to being the Chiefs. But uh, it's something to take notice going forward because the Chargers defense was 
way down. They were min salary on FanDuel, and I actually had them in two lineups this week. And just because I saw what I saw in the first week, and, and I thought that, uh, look, you know, you're not going to win a lot on defense. You could certainly lose if you much ends on FanDuel, and uh, you should be looking at that as well going forward. Who are the defenses that you know might not have the best matchups on paper, but really good defenses with some good personnel that can get you some sacks or some turnovers and some things like that? And I think the Chargers going forward are going to be one of those, and we'll see if that price goes up this week. But uh, a really, you know, uh, like I said, it's a good, tight, tough football game played there, really grinding kind of game. Yeah, and I saw the second half of this game. I didn't see the first half, and I got a text about 15 minutes in, somebody saying to me, Herbert looks good. I'm like, wait a second. I've been paying attention all day long. What did I miss? Like, who? Herbert? What Herbert? Who Herbert? I'm like, wait, yeah. Justin Herbert is playing? So uh, totally missed that one, and I guess something happened to Tyrod Taylor pregame. It, very bizarre, uh, to say the least. Yeah. And, and I got to see what they're going to do this week because, again, the coach uh, – you know, basically said Herbert's not going to play this week, but we'll see. Uh, let's take a look at his stats in his first <laughs> career start, 22 for 33, 311 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Looked very poised, much better than I would have predicted in his first game. Austin Eckler, 16 carries, 93 yards, four receptions, 55 yards. Eckler is getting 15 fantasy points for you every single week. It doesn't matter. He gets it every week. Uh, Josh Kelly uh, didn't look great on the ground, kind of grinded it out. 23 carries, 64 yards for him. Keenan Allen, 7 for 96 and Hunter Henry, 6'4", 86. But Herbert will be the story, Joe, and it'll be interesting to see how much fantasy value he gives you. I don't think that a lot of people will even pick him up or even be in on him despite this good performance against the Chiefs. But certainly in Dynasty Leagues, I think that people are excited because the sentiment was that Taylor was going to be the guy and be the guy for a long period mm-hmm. of time. Now the Chargers have to are going to have to make a decision. The head coach said that the job is Taylor's at the moment. I know you could say that, but... I don't know, man. When you throw a rookie up to start against a defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes on the other side and you throw up 300 yards there and keep them in this game, I was pretty impressed. And I had low for I was one of these blown away call audio work when you look at the tape. But, man, I, I thought he was really good in this game. And the Chiefs are pretty good defense, too. Give, give them a little bit of credit in this, too. And uh, I thought he was a really good job there basically called in the last minute to start this game uh key note going forward too is those 23 the number of carries for josh kelly i understand it didn't equate to as much as you wanted but that number is really strong man if he's going to get anything close to 20 carries in a game that's going to make josh kelly very useful going forward especially in standard leagues potentially and you're right eckler is as right as rain and you saw him get more involved in the passing game which was going to come back around and he did so that's good news for everybody in ppr all right, now let's move on to Arizona and Washington. We've decided to have mercy on our producer, Brett Levy, and just skip the Jets and 49ers because that was a <laughs> fantasy game on the board. Uh, Arizona, uh, look, they only needed one player in this game, and they only got one player more or less in this game. It was Kyler Murray. If there was a runner-up for MVP thus far through two weeks, it would be Murray. 26 for 38, 286, one touchdown, one pick. How about on the ground, though? Circle that. Eight for 67 and two touchdowns there, looking like Lamar Jackson. Kenyon Drake, 20 for 86. Ah, I guess you'll live with that. Hopkins, eight receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown. That is the Arizona Cardinals. And in the uh, essence of time, we're going to move on to the Washington football team, who really didn't do all that much, but we'll take a look at their performance from Sunday. Dwayne Haskins, 19 for 33, 233 yards and a touchdown for him. Antonio Gibson had his first nice game as a fantasy starter, 13 carries, 55 yards and a score. Terry McLaurin, another guy that shows up every week, seven receptions, 125 and a touchdown. And Logan Thomas, 
fell back to earth a little bit, Joe, with four receptions and 26 yards. Washington, uh, Joe, played very close with Arizona Mm -hmm. for about three quarters, and then a couple of mistakes were made, a fumble, I think, for Haskins, if I'm not mistaken, and then uh, Cardinals took over at that point. But look, uh, Cardinals look good. They've gotten off to a really good start. Yep. And their schedule is pretty favorable over the course of the whole season. So we'll have to see how far they can take this thing. Well, especially with the injuries to the 49ers now, there's a real opportunity here for them to keep pace with the upper division there in the West. And uh, look, Kyler Murray is at least a thousand plus dollars cheaper than Lamar Jackson going in every week. And it's getting crazy here because the kind of productivity you're getting out of him in daily fantasy is just staggeringly good. Hopkins look good in this one too. And my oldest daughter, I think has found her new favorite player. I'm trying to get my kids to watch more this year. We got a picks contest going and she watched a little Kyler Murray. And she said, who is that? He's so little and cute. He's fun. So there you go. So a new fan, Kyler Murray, you got my daughter. So congratulations, buddy. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that's, I'm glad to hear that you get your daughters into football. Just don't have them play hey. football. Just have them walk. <laughs> well, the youngest likes the to play a little bit. So I just want to, yeah, the little one's a bruiser. So we'll see. <laughs> we don't want any Pisa Pia injuries this early in the season. We've seen enough in the NFL. Make them kick or punter or something. No, like no, 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 no injuries. No carts. No, no carts. No. <laughs> All right, folks, fantasy or reality here for our Monday edition of the show. Let's get it started. And question number one, true or false, fantasy or reality, here we go, right out of the box, Joe. The top waiver wire in fantasy this week will be New York Giants running back Dion Lewis, former Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. The top waiver wire in fantasy this week will be New Giants running back Dion Lewis, fantasy reality. It's complete fantasy. I'm telling you, it's, it's a bad idea. Deion Lewis was relevant because of the system he played in in New England, which was built around Kevin Falk and then handed to him. And then after that, it's been handed to James White. It's a certain role. And look, Mike Rabel couldn't duplicate it. I don't know if Joe Judge can duplicate it, but we're now like four years removed from that of when he was good with the Patriots. So just stop with this. They might sign Devonta Freeman. If so, that's going to muddy the waters. Henderson's going to be taking over him. You're going to see some of these tight ends, I think, as well. Jarek McKinnon's going to be popular this week, so it's fantasy. Yeah, I, I think it's fantasy as well. And and I think it would be reality in some leagues not understanding what you just said, which is all accurate. People don't even remember that he spent the last two years in Tennessee as an afterthought. He was basically brought in to challenge Derrick Henry as a starter. They were not happy with Derrick Henry after his first year. And then, of course, we saw what Derrick Henry did leading the league in rushing. So uh, I agree with you. This one indeed is fantasy. All right, let's move on to Monday Night Football we go. It's the first game ever in Las Vegas, a professional football game in Las Vegas, a game I really wanted to be at this year. I'm sort of sad that I can't go to that. Uh, All right, Saints tonight are about five-and-a-half-point favorites in Vegas. Fantasy or reality, they will win. They will cover on the road tonight in Vegas against the Raiders, Joe. Fantasy or reality? I'm going to say reality they win, and I'm going to lean reality that they cover. I don't think they have an answer for Kamara, and I think you're going to get a very, very heavy dose of him in this game. Emmanuel Sanders and Cook will pick up some of the slack. There's no doubt about that. But if you look at the road stats last few Saints, when they rode, Malvin Kamara really and uh, Drew Brees kind of takes a step back. And with Thomas, you know, this one's a little in question in terms of the cover, but I think that they can, which is going to be disappointing, first out of the gate to debut this building for the newly uh, ordained Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm going to say reality to both. Craig, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll say reality on the win and fantasy on the cover. I think that Michael Thomas's injury is a big one for the Saints. And, and Breeze is, I don't think, the same quarterback that he has been the last few years. So I think the Raiders will play this tight. Usually with betting, I close my eyes and pick a Monday night dog any day of the week. It's the highest winning percentage of the history of betting in the NFL. Uh, it's not high, but it's higher than the rest. Normally it's 50-50. This is about uh, 55-60%. Uh, don't love the Raiders. Don't particularly believe anything that I saw last week with them in Carolina, but I do believe in Monday Night Home Dogs. So I'll take the Raiders against the Saints tonight, but I do believe the Saints win. And at this stage, I'm an under better, but you got to start betting over on all these NFL games. No one's stopping anybody. I don't think that the Raiders will. I doubt that the Saints will, so probably an over two. It would be a guess. All right, uh, here we go. Finally, now this is a new advertising campaign from AT&T, Joe. They are going under the idea that they can convince you to watch these 30-second ads similar to the same ones that you see on YouTube. And because so many people watch their programming and videos on YouTube with the ads and some people don't even pay for it, they're convinced that if you get a phone from AT&T and they convince you to watch the ads, they'll give you a lower rate on your cell phone. So, on your cell phone bill. So let me ask you this question. Fantasy Reality Joe, you would watch ads for a cheaper phone plan. Not just with AT&T, but with anyone. Fantasy or Reality? I'm gonna say Reality, but I need the context here. Like if I go to call 911 and they say, well, before you can get the, uh, Ooh, the ambulance to your house, you know, the, you have to watch this 30-second ad about Martha Stewart's new show or something like that. Like, that that's that's the context I kind of need with this. It's like, when do I have to watch the ad? Because if it's just a matter of on my phone, if I go to send a text or something before I do that. But even so, it seems like some things using my phone might be a little bit more important than others. So it's all about when I have to watch said ad. And I'm open to the idea of a cheaper plan because I think it's highway robbery. How about you, Craig? Would you be watching the ads? Because it seems like kind of a dangerous waters here to be treading. Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy, man. I don't want any ads any more than I have to deal with already. And look, my kids watch YouTube. I watch things on YouTube. And I guess just out of pure laziness, I've never upgraded and just got rid of them to the fact that I don't have to watch them anymore. But I got to tell you that there's, I, I'm just, would, I would not do it. I would, I would not do it. I, I, I can't stand the fact that I have to watch them in this time of the year without even discussing any sort of political affiliation. Every single YouTube ad, whether you're watching <laughs> oh, us or on Portrait, somebody's <laughs> watching me right now. And, and two minutes ago, you just watched a political ad of some kind. Uh, and that's no indictment on any side. It's just, no, the answer is fantasy for me. I would, I would pay more <laughs> to not have ads. <laughs> on, on ah, my phone, so. shh, don't tell them that. that now they're gonna put that in there you, you just, just gave away my the phone game. bill just went up I just, I just got a notification my phone bill went up they got me all right <laughs> all right folks we got the sports grid 60 coming up next and just a quick reminder scott farrell coast to coast right here on sports grid and sportsgrid.com that's coming up a little bit later and it is the final week of the Major League Baseball season. Make sure you stick tuned to In-Game Live. We'll have plenty more here coming up on SportsGrid when we return next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
All right, welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. And before we hit the Sports Grid 60, I know that Joe and I will have a little uh, discussion here at the end of the show. Joe, what's the latest on uh, Drew Locke and his injury with the Denver Broncos? Then go ahead with the uh, 60. It's a severely strained rotator cuff. That's definitely not a good thing. He's going to rest for two weeks and get reevaluated. But certainly I would imagine Driscoll is going to have that quarterback for for few weeks if not longer so we'll keep an eye out as we get more updates in the weeks ahead on that and here six because last monday I it's a little too early to jump off the buccaneer ship quite yet i know everybody was very excited about the bucks and tom brady and all the new fun toys that he had in tampa and week exactly all that good week two looked better but it really looked better for Leonard Fournette. Until they get all the weapons clicking and healthy, it's going to be hard to evaluate this team. What I do know is that if Tom Brady is going to be successful once again in Tampa, it's going to be for the same reason he was successful in New England the last few years. It's putting a quality running game underneath him to support him to run play action so he can get good looks downfield because he does not have the arm strength he used to have. But if Leonard Fournette is going to have games the way he dropped in week two, Going forward, that might be an easier proposition. So we're going forward. We're getting better in Tampa, but we don't have a full grade quite yet. Yeah, and uh, and I and I think that that's part of everything with the NFL season. What I would say in the Sports Grid 60 today, the one thing that seems evident to me is the idea that what made things very hard on offenses in the end of football games is not in 2020. There is no crowd. I think that has to be a significant element, perhaps, as to why these teams are having no trouble going up and down the field at the end of football games. Now, that may normalize, and it all may change in two weeks from now, and we may be able to identify a couple of teams in the NFL that have, quote-unquote, great defenses. But simply put, through the first couple of weeks of the season, we really haven't seen anyone in fantasy have a tough time, and maybe that's the trend going forward. Certainly remains to be seen. All right, that will do it for our show today here on Fantasy Sports Today. Once again, want to thank Brett for producing the program and, of course, Danny as well. Chris on the updates. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. That'll do it for our show. Talk to you tomorrow right here on FST. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.